welcome to the Anime Explorations Podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Tora. I'm David. And um today we're going to be talk today or well it's we're gonna be talking about Mochi the Rock, but first, um a couple little bits of interesting little notes. Um actually I'm gonna try doing a banter thing this time since we have we don't really have any like lead in stuff. Um so we have the new anime season starting. Um there's a lot of stuff I'm watching this season. Why have you guys have started watching anything yet? Yeah, uh, well, I don't know how new it is. I, I'm really bad at finding new anime. It, uh, it usually happens across it. We're watching something called... How a Realist Hero Saved the Kingdom, or something like that. Yeah. It, One of the East K. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting. It's good. Um, it, but, but, like, everyone is very reasonable. <laughs> So it's very unrealistic in that way. <laughs> People actually solve their problems by talking about them <laughs> like reasonable adults. <laughs> How unusual. I, I have heard about that show. I've, I've heard interesting things about it. I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. I'm watching a fair number of this season's shows. Um, some of them are like second seasons of shows I was watching before. Birdie Wing, Tony Kawa... Gundam, Witch from Mercury, um, probably like the big standout um, new shows that I'm watching. Um, Oshinoko had a really interesting, like 90 minute long first episode. Uh, with I'll say with how the story plays out, it kind of has to be that length because it has a fairly well. This is the case of the manga as well as a very substantial setup to what the larger plot's going to be about. And to the credit of the publisher and the uh, mangaka, they've been doing a pretty good job of like hiding that hook with uh, and that, that twist, even with the more recent published materials, where um, let's just say there's a character who is significantly less active in later chapters, who still maintains a very visible presence on like book covers and promotional materials for this series. And I'll just put it lightly as that at that, not to giving too much away. That's a bit uh, unusual, wouldn't you say, that a show breaks kind of the standard episode format? Well, not not so much lately. There's a lot of things that have like a l- extended first episode. Um I actually just watched the first episode of the third season for Demon Slayer. I think it was la- last night actually. And uh, it also had an extended length because a lot of the times they're wanting, you know, a bit more setup. And Ufotable, I know, is doing that a lot more than they used to. Uh, but it does not surprise me that other studios are also, you know, putting a little more. They want a little more depth from the beginning, so they have to sort of draw it out. It's nice you know, that nowadays we have more kind of prestige small team studios that are able to do that sort of thing. Yeah, it's also interesting because I remember back in the day, this used to be a common thing for television. Um, the like, two-hour it, premiere, yeah. yeah the two premieres, like, and, like, probably the classic example, even, well, two classic examples, Star Trek The Next Generation with Encounter at Farpoint, and then even before that, with um, Miami Vice, actually, with the two-hour pilot episode Brothers Keeper, which is basically a Michael Mann movie. 
just a Michael Mann movie, um, an 80s era Michael Mann movie, but it's a Michael Mann movie with the TV limitations in terms of how much swearing you can say, you can get away with. Um, and so it's interesting seeing that here with Oshinoko. Um, other than that, the other new shows I'm watching. Um, so I'm watching, so the manga is released in the U.S. as Heavenly Delusion, but it is being currently streaming on Hulu or Disney Plus outside the United States as Tengoku Daimakio, which is a interesting sort of post-apocalyptic sort of horror thing um, with various monsters and that sort of thing. It's doing some weird but interesting stuff in terms of a couple branching narratives. Um, I'm not sure how those are or whether those are coming to come together yet. Um, and the other one, I don't know if I'd call it good yet, but it is interesting, is Magical Destroyers, which is a very kind of trippy, surrealist series. Like it, It's the, the, the start-off narrative framework is... On the one hand, it's a recent cliche of the, oh, they've outlawed otakudom and now the otakus have to rise up against that sort of stuff. But there's this really weird um, undercurrent to the whole thing where it's like clearly referencing lots of like Amaishi's weirder stuff, like Panty and Saku with Garter Belt or even Dead Leaves, um, which makes things... which kind of got me like okay i want to see where you're going with this because like i mean the last episode like not to give too much away from the sports stuff but the most recent episode had characters taking hallucinogens and going into a unified um a unified consciousness to somewhat fight it out a unified consciousness including um being attacked by giant pink elephants in in case you didn't figure out the drug uh reference (laughs) (laughs) From the whole thing. Um, and the pills are also modeled after the pills from Akira. Nice. So, yeah. So, like, again, I'm, I don't know enough about the show to say, oh, I think this is good. I'm not sure if it's good or not. But it is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's many things I don't enjoy but i do ha- appreciate having seen like i didn't like that movie but i thought it was very well done and it, it provokes thoughts but no i know i didn't like it <laughs> there's kind of a fun wave in um just entertainment media as a whole right now where we have um artists and creatives and nerds fans of those creative properties um embracing this kind of eat the rich destroy the government narrative because they keep trying to horn in on our creative space. <laughs> yep. We just watched uh, The Menu last night, which was all about that. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> all right. So let's get into the show that we're here to talk about today. Bochi the Rock. Woo! Um, so this was the recommendation from you, David. So yes, I'll, I'll it was. Let you, so I will let you do the lead in. All right. Uh, well, Bochi the Rock. What? Um, 
Yeah, uh, Bochi the Rock is the story primarily of um, Goto Hitori, or yes, that's right, um, <laughs> who's an extreme introvert. Uh, the show starts with her in elementary school. Uh, basically, she's social. Tons of social anxiety for this girl, so she decides to uh, good. A good way to meet people. Uh, she's going to join a band. So her dad used to play guitar. And she asked to borrow his guitar. And he's so touched. And she decides to start practicing guitar. And there's a time skip. And she spent so much time practicing guitar. She forgot to actually talk to people. <laughs> actually join a band. So now she is in high school. <laughs> and... Freaking out because she just wasted three years. <laughs> but she does have uh, an online following. Uh, she has a handle of Guitar Hero, which was immediately hilarious to me. <laughs> um, but it only focuses on her hands as she's playing the guitar. And eventually um, she decides, oh, people don't know I'm a musician. That's why no one's asked me to be in their band. So she starts wearing her guitar to school every day. <laughs> and no, and basically she's just as isolated. She's like, oh no, once again, I'm relying on someone else to make the first move. <laughs> Which, you know, that, 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 that gets me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I've definitely been that person. <laughs> I was definitely that person for a long time. Um... Until, like, she's sitting after school in this playground. She sees this old salary man sitting there. She's like, ah, someone like me. Another outcast just sitting here. This will be our place. And then the salary man's, like, wife and son come and join him. She's like, oh, no, he's a family man. We're totally, we're nothing alike. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, another girl, uh, uh, Ijichi uh, Nijika. EGG uh comes over she's like do you play guitar she's like uh who's straight no yes are you any good you know that doesn't matter come with me and she gets dragged to um uh Nijika's uh band uh her three-person band at the time their drum their uh guitarist no showed them and they have a concert tonight <laughs> At a just tiny little, tiny little, uh, well, I say tiny. It's tiny in comparison to some, like, large, uh, studios here and el elsewhere. But it it's a decent size. They could have, you know, 20, 30, 40. He's talking about a music club, guys. Yes, it's a music club. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, and so she, she's confident in her music, but, um, Basically, she goes out onto stage for the first time, but because she's crippled with social anxiety, she plays the entire first concert from inside of a cardboard box. And honestly, that that was like the bit that, you know, I saw screenshots on Tumblr, and I'm like, that is very relatable. Uh, I'll check this out. And I did, and I loved it. But basically, the band gets, you know, they actually put in all the work. It's... She gets a job at the club, uh, which is called Starry, which is run by Nijika's older sister, who is the manager there. Uh, there's also uh, Ryo Yamada, 
who is their uh, bassist. And she is just a very interesting character herself. Uh, fourth member of the band is Ikuyo, who also goes to Bochi's school. And she was actually originally the first guitarist. She agreed to uh, join the band just to get closer to Rio, because she'd seen her play some other time. However, she had she had no idea how to actually play the guitar, so that's why she scarpered, but um, Bochi teaches her. So it's four young high school girls being in a band, and the troubles they have told uh, through the point. Primarily, uh, Bochi uh, is our viewpoint character. That was a little more rambling than I intended, but uh, it's so much fun. It's like, I want to tell you all about these things, but at the same time, I want you to watch and experience them for yourself. Yeah. So I, for those of you who have not watched my like other YouTube stuff or on the blog and only know me from the podcast, and so I haven't heard me mention this elsewhere, I am on the autism spectrum, and I had, and to a certain degree, kind of do have a degree of social, maybe heavy social anxiety in high school. So when I watched this, watching the show for the first time and looking at, at Itori Goto and I'm going at this repeated moment of, I am in this picture and I don't know if I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, admittedly, my way to help to help with my social anxiety was less try less music and more um, taking acting classes um, uh, in high school. And but I this re this really resonated with me. Um, and like the band that um, uh, Dorigoto, uh, who gets nicknamed Bochi, uh, joins, uh, which is Kesoku band literally basically zip tie um is uh like definitely has that like has that energy that that resonated with me in terms of like my friends in high school who were like this mix of like anime club kids and theater kids and that sort of thing like those kind of my social circle was like had a bunch of kids were in the anime club and a bunch of kids were theater techies and um, so that really kind of like their relationship resonated me really strongly that way. It was extremely relatable in the sense that Bochi has a lot of social anxiety and she finds it hard to connect with people. And the issue is not that she's bullied or that people look down on her. It's that people just don't pay attention to her or interact with her at all. And, you know, I think we've all had that experience where we've just felt completely ignored. Like, if we didn't show up one day, nobody would even notice or care. Um, and that's not true. I mean, we see at a certain point, one of her classmates does kind of stand up for her. But she's unable to see that because in her head, she is just this kind of extra limb that's hanging around out there that nobody really knows what to do with. Um, and so that was extremely relatable to me because a lot of times it <laughs> getting bullied is terrible, right? But it's also terrible to be kind of consistently ignored. <laughs> yeah, it was also interesting to watch this because I'd also watched um, Comey Can't Communicate, which is also about a character with uh, social anxiety 
and not and a communication disorder. And I was interesting watching this in contrast because part of the gimmick with Comey can't communicate is that Comey's entire class is a f by deliberate choice of the school is absolutely full of weirdos. <laughs> like like backstage at the Muppet Theater level full of weirdos. Um, but whereas with Bochi the Rock, the people that Bochi is interacting with are generally relatively, not normal, but much more grounded um, in terms of their personalities and that sort of thing. Um, and so when we have, as the... Like as the series goes on, and she, Bochi starts not only interacting with new members of the as or the band or the staff at the club, uh, and eventually some of the classmates. We while we get that, we also have um, it's it feels much more natural mm -hmm. in that regard, and so it actually resonates stronger in that respect. Um, also, part of what uh, one of the things with Bochi that also resonate with me is that when she gets the difficult or particularly a new social situation, um, Bochi has an unlimited credit line for borrowing trouble. Let's uh, more more trouble than she needs. Yes, and to put this in psychiatrist lingo, she catastrophizes constantly. Yeah, and and she catastrophizes, and it is shown on screen through these wonderfully animated sequences. And some of them aren't even animated. Some of them are just live action. Um, some of them have you stop motion. It's, it's really visually impressive. And like the manga recently has gotten a uh, license for us release. I'm interested in reading it, but I'm also like, there are two things with this anime can do much better than the manga can. And I don't know. And I'm almost like, Almost more, more inclined to recommend watch not more, uh, almost I'm definitely more inclined to recommend watching the manga before watching the anime before reading the manga is the the anime can do music better because it is a mm -hmm. visual and auditory medium. Um, you can't do music in your manga unless you put a QR code to like a spot to a, a page on Spotify or title or Apple Music or whatever. Um, and the other thing is with how they implement and the, these depictions of Bochi's own internal torment as she catastrophizes um, is really, really great and really is, shows the strengths of the, the animation animation staff for all of this. Indeed. And you know, you were talking about how it feels really grounded. Um, that just makes these sequences where the animation suddenly goes crazy all the more powerful. And I think that's just one of the most genius ways of showing neurodivergent brain activity that I've ever seen. Like, I, I was just in that moment with her every time. <laughs> I, I also think it was really realistic in the sense that Bochi on her journey toward becoming a more socially active person encounters a lot of setbacks. You know, it seems like she takes a step forward and then another couple steps back and then back forward again. And it wasn't one of those stories where like they have the big successful concert at the end and suddenly everything is great. It's like, no, she's going to be struggling with this, you know, probably for the rest of her life. And that's fine. 
you know? The important thing is that she has found people to help her out on that journey. And so I really appreciated that as someone who is like not neurodivergent myself, but friends with a lot of neurodivergent people. And I try to be really an advocate for neurodivergent people when it comes to finding care, which is very difficult. Um, <laughs> Mildly. Lived in the in the medical industry for a long time now, and, you know, they, they don't make it easy. And I'm just so glad that media is kind of catching up to the portrayal of neurodivergent people and representing them as the full people that they are, to put it one way. Um, and so I, I, oh God, I just loved this show for that kind of realistic and heartwarming portrayal of someone struggling with their brain and making progress, you know? Yeah. And it was not, uh, like so many times when you see this sort of thing in media, it's portrayed as, you know, someone overcoming their, uh, difficulties, challenges, what have you, in a form of, uh, to borrow from the trope, inspiration porn. And this very much was not that. This is just a journey. And, like, by the end of the first season, hopefully there will be more, uh, Bochi is more comfortable, but she is not comfortable dealing with new people, new situations. She still has, like, a plethora of issues, but she's done some things. Like, she can work at the club and deal with customers. Not not well. Not Definitely not well. She's stammering mess. And that is just on point. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I know I definitely have to have, like, a full, full script for basically every social interaction I'm doing. And if I, you know, I'm suddenly thrown into something new... I know my anxiety is like, oh, what do we do? Oh, uh, no. Come on, we can talk. Use your words, David. Words, David. You use them all the time. You can do this. Hello. And you see Boji going through this exact moment. I know. It's like, oh, my God. That's, oh, that's me. I mean, obviously, I'm late 30s. I'm much better at it now. I can improvise a script, but still, I... Don't do well in unexpected social situations. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, it just, there was so much resonance with me. It's like, oh, I wasn't the band kid, but. Uh... I also now feel like I, I understand social anxiety better for having watched this. My sister suffers terribly um, from social anxiety such that she hasn't been able to work. And, you know, now I kind of get where her where her mind goes. I usually only see her when she's very comfortable. And so having a glimpse into what happens when she's confronted with an unfamiliar situation or a, a heavily social situation um, just kind of cues me into what kind of stuff is going on in her head. So that was really helpful for me. Yeah, like, this is this is definitely one of the series like like this, this also comes up in Kumi Can't Communicate and also, like, kind of loosely, I, I've did a blog post on this a while back, in a weird way, with My Hero Academia, um, with getting, getting across the idea that you don't, you don't cure a disability. You learn to 
cope, adapt, and and develop strategies to live with a disability. Mm-hmm. It doesn't magically go away. And it's important to recognize and acknowledge that. Um, mm-hmm. Like in, to use the My Hero Academia example, we will probably end up getting, might end up doing a more extended watch of this at some point, but like My Hero Academia, Deku... Deku is never, up to this point, not getting too much into spoilers, is still at a point where if he goes all out, he's probably, he is still going to spectacularly injure himself in amazing new and exciting ways. Um, Which is why he has assistive technology to help him. Uh, It's why he has learned particular methods of acting and doing and interacting to allow him to do the things he needs to do as a hero without injuring himself. Um, well, without and, injuring himself too badly. Right. Yeah, without, without, injuring, with, yeah, without injuring himself too badly. Um, and that sort of stuff. Um, and the same thing here with Bochi the Rock and Komi can't communicate. Bochi, uh, Bochi and Komi still are, at the end of the series, um, still significantly... Um, dealing with their social anxiety and communications issues. Um, this is to be also like useful here in terms of contrasting them in terms of how they handle helping uh, how characters of friends of the characters with social anxiety handle help helping people learn new their, their friends with anxiety, learn new situations um, in like, and Comey can't communicate. We are the, the members of her band are aware of her social anxiety and try to find opportunities to help her manage the level somewhat. And by contrast, in Comey Can't Communicate, um, not Tadano, but there's a character who is, um, I forget her exact uh, their exact name, but their name is basically everyone's, translates to everyone's childhood friend. Um, her hab- uh, Their habit, I need to get the pronouns right because they're gender fluid. Um, their habit is to just shove Comey into the deep end, repeat um, in various different situations. Like, oh, I need you to go, like, Comey, go to Starbucks and give me and order me a coffee with this specific <laughs> order. Um, that seems like and, a good like, way to get a trauma reaction. <laughs> yes. And um, Tadano, our, our main protagonist, does not do that. Um, but, like, it's, and it really shows the really good contrast there of. Um, in Comey, our characters there are much more realistic and grounded. You mean Bochi? Cast. Yeah, in, in, in Bochi, our supporting characters are much more realistic in our supporting cast. And so they are, and also consequently, more supportive. And in Comey, the supporting cast is a bunch of complete Muppets. <laughs> and they are, um, and so they are. To our respect, with a couple of exceptions, significantly less helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, while we're talking about the supporting cast, one of my favorites in Bochi is uh, Bochi meets um, a band member, a bassist from another uh, from another band, when she's just out trying to sell uh, tickets to make her quota for her show. Uh, and the the bassist is from a band called Sick Hack, which eventually we discover is a psychedelic rock band. <laughs> um, 
who also had uh, has performance anxiety, and she is a good example for Bochi because she handles it by drinking all the time. She's a good example of what not to do, but at the same time, she also has a lot of really good advice. She is, you know, helpful and a cautionary tale. Uh, yeah, she's a very interesting character because she's presented as aspirational and a cautionary tale at the same time. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember when she's introduced and they're talking about, oh, yeah, she she drinks a lot and she um, disrupts concerts and forgets the words and that sort of thing. Like, wow, that's some real Grace Slick energy there because. <laughs> Grace Slick of um, Jefferson Airplane and and onward um, did definitely have some very real alcoholism problems, including, among other famously, um, stopping a concert in Germany to berate the audience. Uh, West Germany to berate the audience. Um, as, calling them out as Nazis and that sort of thing for being German. And I believe that's when she got fired from the band at one point. One of the occasions. Until she got cleaned up. And then finally into what what type of band she's like, oh, she's a psychedelic rock band. Like, oh, like Jefferson Airplane. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that all of the music references in this show are on point. Um, And there are a lot of them. And I love that. (laughs) Oh, no. Siri wants to to tell us about that. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, there are like the characters are named after bands which is great but the the music that they wrote for the show was also pretty great um i don't know i feel like this was definitely written by someone who is into club culture in japan music culture and japan's music scene has always been really robust and yeah everything about it was really on point for me like from the groupies to the band members themselves to the the club owner being like so kind of cool and i don't know i just love that (laughs) yeah uh like because i've also um uh seen um oh god I've, i've forgotten its name um Ya boy Kong Ming. Oh yeah, ya boy. <laughs> Which is a completely different look at Japanese club culture. <laughs> I, I have also seen Ya Boy Kong Ming. That show is again excellent. Another one of those shows where <laughs> the manga is available in English. I'd recommend watching the anime first because of how significant music is to the show. Yeah. Um, like I, I actually did read the manga first, and I'm like, okay, no, this is really, really good. But I'm definitely missing, like, half of this because there is actually no music in the manga. It's about music, but without actually having music. Oh, and I think, Alex, you're the one who pointed out to us Bochi's guitar. Oh, yeah. Her her dad's guitar, Her dad's guitar is just, like, it's probably an original, like, 1957 Gibson, which is... It's a beautiful guitar. Yeah, which is actually, like, it's like a... In, uh, in the U.S. dollars, it's like a $60,000 guitar if it's an original. If it's a replica, it's only like a $6,000 guitar. But it looks yeah, great. Like there, yeah, there was a lot, there has been a lot of um, um, on various like music blogs and that sort of thing. People going through, and um, it was like comics.com or like, comics.com or comicbook.com. Somebody wrote an article of all the instruments that are featured in Bochi the Rock. I'm like, nice. yeah, this is a like 
So this is probably the replica. So it's just a $60,000 guitar. And this bass is like a $250,000 US <laughs> bass and all this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, man, like guitar, like I, I, I never quite hit me necessarily how expensive guitars are, particularly like oh, yeah. I associate punk, which is the, the guitars and drums uh, thing like often builds up and this is this is the working man's music and it's the music that everyone can play and that sort of thing like all of these instruments are expensive like oh yes <laughs> and uh, and at my goodwill up the street i can find a functional casio keyboard for a hundred for uh fifty dollars <laughs> not saying it's a great casio keyboard but it works <laughs> there there is a whole world of uh, musical instrument buyers, sellers, collectors. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there are different schools of thought in the music world as to, you know, how you treat your instruments. <laughs> I know because my my uncle is a guitarist, and um, your aunt's a pianist. My aunt's a pianist, and it's, it's, oh yeah, people get real serious about that. <laughs> your uncle has the best collection of ukuleles. My uncle collects ukuleles. <laughs> This is true. Yeah. Um, I mentioned maybe looking for a used guitar once, and he went into this whole spiel for me. <laughs> it went on for a while. It was great. Yeah. Because there, yeah, unfortunately in the music world, there is a huge disconnect between a starter instrument for, depending on what kind you're going for, anywhere from 50 to 250. And Generally, those are intended for kids who are starting. And it's kind of bad because they're not very good. And you start to get into, like, the next tier up and you're in the couple thousand dollars. Specifically, I'm thinking about guitars because back when we lived in San Francisco, one of our roommates decided on a spur of the moment, I'm going to learn guitar. He, he didn't. But he did buy one and an amp. And he came home and was like, yep. That was $3,000. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you didn't do any research. You just walked to the guitar store. <laughs> and I mean, you can do that if you're a musician and you know what you're looking for. Like they do in Bochi. Like they go to a music store and, you know, look at guitars. Um, but because of Bochi's social anxiety, she doesn't even like sit down and play the guitar. The saleswoman is like, do you want this guitar? She's like, oh, God. <laughs> Okay! <laughs> Which, respect, I get that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, she, she does get a really nice guitar, because, you know, the saleswoman does recognize, yeah, this person is not going to do well, so we're gonna, you know... I'm gonna help you out. And I, I love when... As a good when, salesperson will. <laughs> when, uh, when Kita showed up... And she's like, I haven't made any progress learning how to play guitar. And they're like, lady, that is a six-string bass. <laughs> like, are you sure you're not? Yeah, it's going, it just makes like a twang noise. And it's like, are, are you sure you're not doing bass? Like, no, no, it has six strings. And they're like looking at it like, yeah, some, some basses have six strings. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> and then Rio buys it. Rio is um, a great character and she strikes me as very realistic for being in a band because she spends all her money on her musical instruments and she's perpetually broke and begging money off the other girls 
Okay, here's the thing about Rio is that she comes from a lot of money. And she spends that money. But she's bumming money off of her friends. Because I had a friend in high school who time. was that. It was like, you have so much money. What are you spending it on that you're constantly asking me for a dollar for a soda? She's very focused in on her interest. <laughs> like Bochi in a way. Um, so Which I, is I one also... reason Bochi does kind of get along with her the best is because they do have that... Yeah. mono focus yes so the portrayal of anxiety is great the music is great and then i also love the dynamic between the main characters in kasoku band because rio is this like very laid back somewhat androgynous very cool girl right so she's the cool one in the band and um kita is bright bubbly enthusiastic outgoing they make her the front person like immediately and she she does this amazing thing in the animation where she gives you like the puppy dog sparkly eyes and it says kitora <laughs> because she like actually manifests in the animation manifests an aura an aura, of... <laughs> an aura of do what I want you to do because I'm adorable <laughs> and Bochi's like oh my god um, and, and then of course they've got their drummer uh, yeah because she's um, yeah, she's she's kind of like the normal one in comparison, but she's also very cool. Um, she's the heart of the she's band. She's the heart of the band. She's yeah. the heart of the band. She's the one that like actually get, brings them together to do things. Every creative group needs that one friend that will push them to actually do things. And Nijika is that person. Yes. <laughs> for Kasoku Band. Um, because her sister runs the club, she's able to get them, you know, bookings at the club. Well, she was able to get them the, their first booking, and her uh -huh. sister was like, yeah, no, that that was just so you could say, you know, you'd had the band, ex you know, the club experience. If you want to actually play here again, you will you gotta work sell for tickets. it. Yeah. It's very realistic. Um, so, like, the the way that these guys get along is is really fantastic, I thought. Um, everybody has their own kind of unique relationship with Bochi, but then when they all get together, they do have kind of a great unified vibe that comes out in their music. So I liked that a lot. <laughs> yep. I, I, I did learn some things about how the Japanese club scene works in comparison to like the American club scene and stuff here. Like with the um, basically having the minimum number of tickets that you need to sell in order to have the concert in the first place or else you mm -hmm. lose money. Um, that you have to like, where you're, you basically have to pay the club more or less to pay the play. There, there's some of that for some venues in the United States, um, but um, it's not necessarily in the same fashion. Of you pay the club X amount of money, um, and then they give you a certain number of tickets, which you then need to sell, mm -hmm. and um, to make back that money, and then plus whatever the um, the venue will sell in terms of additional cover uh, tickets and food and drink and that sort of thing. Uh, so that that was a uh, interesting educational experience there in terms of differences in the uh, music culture. Uh, obviously, the festival circuits also can be pretty different there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. One, one hilarious thing about Starry that they point out is that they're not actually a... Um, and they point out that there's a number of clubs just like them. They're like, they're not actually music clubs because getting those licenses is very, very difficult. So they sell drinks. Uh, so they're technically a restaurant with live music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Because it's a lot easier to get those licenses. 
And that whole business of selling tickets, if, if you think about it, is, is going to be a nightmare for someone with social anxiety. And the show takes full advantage of this. <laughs> um, I also want to say really quickly, like, Bochi is always getting dragged into situations by her friends, but it's not, like, malicious. It's more like, we're going to do this normal thing and we expect you to come with us because we like you. And then, you know, in her head, she catastrophizes and all that. But Bochi has a very strong want that carries her through the whole series, which is, I want to become a cool, popular member of a rock band, and then, you know, people will like me and interact with me. And so when she's put into these situations, like getting dragged into playing with Kasoka Band the first time, or getting dragged into playing outside on the street, she really pushes herself and makes an effort to do those things, even though it is so hard for her. And so you are rooting for her so hard the entire time. You are like, go, Bochi, go. (laughs) The whole time, I just wanted to be like, okay, I need to get you a hat like Slash. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you don't have to actually look at people. You got this, go! Yeah, you know, Slash of Guns N' Roses. Where's that huge brimmed hat because he has social anxiety and with the brim all the way down he can't see the audience and that was one of those like oh my god that's why i just thought it was to look cool but that's awesome but she does that while she's performing she looks down at her hands and focuses on her guitar instead of looking out at the audience yeah you know which was very true to life (laughs) (laughs) if i can't see them they can't freak me out yes (laughs) (laughs) oh but they're still there Zigney Stride isn't up here as well. Like, I kind of want to go back and rewatch some concert movies and that sort of thing. Like, kind of now pay attention to musician body language and that sort of thing as well. I mean, certain musicians, like, to use the example, David Gilmore, um, he's like, because he's moved to the, fr- um, well, he was not originally lead vocalist of Pink Floyd. Um, he certain, um, because of his moving to that position, um, like, He's not someone who can necessarily do that because you have to have your head up and looking at the microphone in order to sing. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, somebody like, say, uh, Alex Lifeson of Rush, for example, um, he's generally not doing vocals. Um, so, um, how and look kind of paint see what he's doing on the guitar and that sort of stuff. Uh, or even Carlos Santana because Carlos Santana is the lead vocalist of absolutely none of the bands he's been in. Uh, yep. so you have. <laughs> Uh, usually has somebody else handling the vocals. And so that sort of thing. I think most of the time when I see Carlos Santana play, he's focused, is exclusively looking at the guitar. He's not necessarily looking at the audience very much as well. And this is, this is very interesting when you contrast it to like idol culture um, <laughs> or pop culture, as we would say in the US of A, um, where you are really selling your personality as much as you're selling the music. You are always making eye contact. You are always smiling. In rock, specifically, and in jazz, I would say as well, there's a lot more room for the musician to just focus in on their music. And then if they're expected to socialize with the audience, it's, you know, after the show, usually. Um, I remember... I'm going to go on a tiny bit of a tangent here, but it'll come back, I promise. <laughs> When I was a young woman, oh god, that makes me sound really old. When I was younger, (laughs) I watched 
um, Led Zeppelin concerts on video a lot. And this was like in the early days of YouTube, but some, you know, brilliant person uploaded a bunch of Led Zeppelin concert footage so that I could watch it. Watching Jimmy Page on stage was like really transformative for me when it came to my experience in music. This guy would not only play guitar masterfully, but he would play guitar with a violin bow. I remember specifically watching this and just my mind being blown, right? And I think a lot of us have that experience of when you see a musician who is really good at playing their instrument on stage and you feel like your jaw just your jaw just literally drop open and your eyes go wide and you're like that is the coolest thing i have ever seen in my life bochi has kind of a moment like that at the very beginning and that's what make her makes her decide i'm going to become a cool musician in a band and from, I mean, just instantly, at the very beginning of the show, I was like, I am with you. I understand where you're coming from. Go, girl. And yeah, I think there, there's something about the mystique of rock and roll that, that just makes you think that is so cool and want to be part of it. Um, this is not to say that rock and roll is all great, but I, I, I understand her experience as a kid in middle school watching this music and thinking this is aspirational yeah yeah um speaking of the uh, the um jimmy page and the bow thing the show does do a really good job of like also finding ways to to demonstrate like even if you're not necessarily um very knowledgeable about playing guitar that um bochi is a very good guitar player there's a mm -hmm. not to give too much away but there's a point in the series where um, Bochi ends up having to improvise a slide, a guitar slide. Um, and I was like, this was like, like, oh, that's really cool. And I, I also like understanding one, how the guitar slide came to be, which is it's a blues musician improvising with a cigar tube. Um, and like, ah, so it, it, it won this as an extension of that, but also like this, like, Show, hey, she is a skilled musician who can think mm -hmm. on her feet and um, is very skilled at her craft. And the thing that that's causes her difficulty is the social anxiety. And um, it and the context for this or where she ends up doing this is, is really great. And in terms of providing opportunity for her to demonstrate this to other people. When she has that great moment in the festival concert at the end of the series, took me right back to watching Jimmy Page. And so I thought in my head, you know, she's done it. She has achieved that level of coolness. Even if her brain isn't going to let her realize it yet, she is super cool. <laughs> also, one of the things I loved is that when she did have her impromptu street concert in order to sell tickets... Uh, she she does sell a couple of tickets to watchers, and those those two girls keep coming to all of her concerts. Yeah, she gets two groupies like yeah, immediately. She... They're great fans, <laughs> not groupies. There is a con. There is all right, all right. <laughs> fans, fans, awesome, wholesome fans. Yes. Yeah. So, really, can't say enough good things about this show. In summary, <laughs> I don't really have any. Like criticisms or nitpicks, I can't really like. I, there's like 
so often where I'm going through, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't do that. I, I would do it a little differently. It's like, no, this show, I, I, I would do, I would, if I had to make the show, I would probably make all the same decisions. Like, you could argue perhaps that Bochi's agency is diminished by the fact that she does need to get physically pulled into joining this band. But at the same time, she is making the effort to make it work and trying so hard that I don't think that argument is really that valid. Not so, to mention, it is it is sort of, like, very much a... She did the thing. She decided to start wearing a guitar so that people mm-hmm. would know that she played guitar. Yeah. And that leads like, to the aforementioned getting pulled into a band. Yeah, so. like... She's like, okay, someone else needs to make the first step. But actually, it's the second step because I made the first step. I put the knowledge out there. So I... Yeah, so... Yeah. (laughs) Really, I can't think of any criticism. I mean, I suppose we've been critiquing it the whole time, but we haven't been, you know... I've just been gushing about it. I don't know what y'all been doing. (laughs) We are are critically discussing it, but critically discussing it favorably. (laughs) Like... Because just saying 10 out of 10 no notes is a really short podcast. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, but 10 out of 10. Tons of notes, but all of them. All, po- all so, positive. <laughs> so I, I did reach out to my sister, uh, who, as I mentioned, does suffer from crippling social anxiety, so that she can watch it and let me know what she thinks thinks of the portrayal of social anxiety because I'm very interested to hear about that from her perspective. Um, But she has not gotten there yet. So (laughs) I think you can find people online talking about it though. um, And their own experiences with social anxiety as related to the show. I think generally the, the comments in that direction have been pretty positive. Uh, Show does not have an English release yet. Uh, It is available for streaming on Crunchyroll. Um, and no, no physical release yet either. I definitely going to recommend <sighs> this up. Um, like, Honestly, that bugs me so much when things don't have physical releases. I'm like, okay, but but I want to be able to own it so that when it goes down, I can keep watching it. I'm yeah, still so angry about Infinity Train getting pulled off HBO. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, Azo- um, just to go back to our first show that we covered, Azokin is getting a physical media release. Yes! With a dub. Uh, do you, uh, who's handling the dub? Uh, Sentai Filmworks. Hmm. Uh, which also surprised me because it was originally licensed exclusively to Crunchyroll, so I thought, oh, Crunchyroll Funimation is going to do it. But no, it's... Uh, hmm. um, it's uh, Sentai Filmworks. So I'm interested in seeing how that dub turns out, and I'm definitely looking forward to picking it up when it becomes available. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun to rewatch. Yeah. Also... I always, I also just enjoy watching subs and dubs of the same show just to see, you know, what decisions the the localization team has made. Definitely. Uh, I'm in some cases like a show may receive multiple dubs and just in comparing them. Um, <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, yeah, that sorry that that just reminded me of the uh, Evangelion dubs. Yep. Um are the Akira dubs plural? <laughs> There's the because there's the uh, oh uh, Streamline and the Pioneer. Uh, also, season one of Vinland Saga got multiple dubs. Really? Um, yes. So there's the Sentai Filmworks dub, which does more regional accents for characters based on where they're from in terms of um, like um, Denmark, 
France, Wales, that sort of thing. And that's cool. And then there is the Netflix dub, which doesn't have that. Right. The Netflix dub... <laughs> Netflix dubs, generally speaking, not, not in every case, but generally speaking, are done on the smallest possible budget. Yeah, I can, yeah but admittedly, Netflix does tend to do union cast a bit more. Not always, but yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, certainly they had a union cast for uh, uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It, oh, mm-hmm. God. That show I deserved mean, its awards. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, but thinking ahead, uh, getting too ahead for what our next show is going to be, we're kind of wrapping this one up. Um, yeah. Next month, we are starting a little early, our, our summer of JoJo. Um, so we will be covering season one, which adapts the arcs of uh, Phantom Blood and Battle Tendency, uh, which is available um, both on, I believe, Crunchyroll and on Netflix. Um, and quick notes, and just to look for people who want to watch ahead, uh, for June and July, we will be covering... Uh, the um, Stardust Crusaders arc. Um, so we'll be doing the first um, half of um, Stardust Crusaders in June, and then July we'll have the second half. I need to bring this up because uh, Netflix just lumps all of Stardust Crusaders into one big giant blob. So, uh, like you do, yeah, maybe. I am a JoJo newbie, so I'm getting pushed into the deep end, much like Bochi, and this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, I've read... I can't say I've read all of JoJo, but back in 2016, I had read all of JoJo. <laughs> um, and I watched the first anime, uh, and then the first season of the current anime. Okay. Um, so so I'm looking forward to seeing their adaptation of Stardust Crusaders because I bet it's going to be different than the first one. Actually, yeah, I should, I should mention this is the where we are for Stardust Crusaders. We're doing the more recent version of Stardust Crusaders, not the early 2000s version. Uh, this is important to be clear about this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> totally different memes involved. Yes, absolutely different memes involved. Also, we're not going to be curving the earlier film adaptation of. Um, Battle Tendency or Phantom Blood because none of those have an actual physical release anywhere else. Um, so th- those are um, lost media, unfortunately. Uh, we'll get talk about that a bit more uh, next month. Yeah. Oh, and, and if you do decide you want to read the manga along with it, for those in the audience, um, it's on the uh, Shonen Jump app. So that's just you know three bucks a month. You're, you're, I'm not going to say you're losing money by not subscribing to the Shonen Jump app, but you might actually be. <laughs> All right. So until next time, um, please consider. But um, we are backed by supported by Patreon, by your pledges on Patreon at patreon.com slash count zero or Patreon backers get access to uh, this show and a whole bunch of other stuff that I work on up to a week in advance. Also, please rate and review on your podcatching platform of choice. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, what have you. It helps us build people find us. Um, or if you're watching this on the YouTube podcasting 
thing they're doing. Um, like, subscribe, thumbs up, yeah. comment, etc. Interact with us all you want. Please oh, send have... us emails. We we will a- we will answer your questions. <laughs> yes, um, and emails to anime explorations pod. Uh, that's two e's at gmail.com for your um, for any questions or feedback or comments on the shows that we are wa- that we are watching or suggestions if you want us to cover a show in the future. All right. Yeah. So, so thanks you all for listening. Yep. And we'll here and we'll be back next month. Have a good one, guys.